You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 224, Feng Shui and Tarot. Welcome to episode 224 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach Feng Shui online at mindfuldesignschool.com. Be sure to visit our website to sign up for our mailing list for special free opportunities and workshops only for our newsletter subscribers. You can visit mindfuldesignschool.com, scroll to the bottom and join our mailing list there. So this week we are interviewing our favorite tarot reader, Laura Morris. Yay! (laughs) So welcome, Laura Morris. Well, thank you for having me, Angie Cho. I don't think that we need to give anyone a bio because I know who you no. are, mm-hmm. but I'll just give a quick one. Laura Morris okay. is my work wife and she's a <laughs> co-founder of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School and she's a tarot reader located just outside Toronto in Canada. That's right. So Laura um, Morris, may I interview yes. you today on sure. tarot and feng shui? Sure. Let's do that. Let's do it. Okay. Is it okay if I go a little bit off? the questions too? Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So before we get started, can you please tell us what is tarot or what is the tarot and, and the tarot? Yes. The tarot. It is a form of divination using cards and there's a lot of discrepancy or different theories on how old and where it came from. And, you know, is it from Egypt and is it ancient? And I mean, my thoughts on this is it's it's not ancient, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a relatively new, the way we, at least the way it's used today is relatively new, like since the 18, 1900s. But the reason I love it and I'm so connected to it is because its origins, at least the tarot or the taraki, itaraki, comes from Italy, which is my background and my heritage. And the first deck like the deck that we kind of, the format that we kind of think of today, which is 78 cards with 22 trump cards and and 56 mix of suit and court cards first came out in, in Italy in the 1400s. Now, it wasn't used as for divination back then, although there are some theories, some people believe that those cards and playing cards similar to that were used by people that were also divining even just in their own home and but not as a big movement it was kind of a a, a thing that people were doing on on the side but for the most part the way we know it today is being like actual tarot cards that divine that actually came out of France in the 1700s and then we all know the Waite Smith deck, which is the most popular deck. I think they sell like 2 billion decks a year. Like, I mean, it's insane the amount that they sell of this deck. It's still to this day the most popular deck. That was actually created in the early 1900s. And so using it to, you know, to divine as divination is relatively new and really only started in the 1700s, actually. So that is the kind of what it is. And, you know, I always say what it it is, is, is a way to become more aware of what's going on in your life, like all divination practices. What it isn't is it's not fortune telling. Well, let's talk about that. Can you tell us how you would define divination? Hmm. Divination is a way to access our own inner knowing. So 
it's a way to tap into this wisdom about a situation or a person or whatever's going on and almost a way to bypass all of those locks that we put on ourselves, like the logical mind, you know, it's rational, all these things. It's a way to tap into something much deeper and sort of moving past those mundane things. You know, maybe even some people may think of it, okay, tapping into my intuition or my higher self or all of these, there's different ways of thinking about it. But the way I think about it is divination is a really a way of, of, of you being able to communicate, being given a language, symbols, images, patterns, tools, which gives you information about something that is really hard to put into words. It is really hard to know in a rational sense, right? So it's that, it, you know, Angie, we talk a lot about a lot, the inner and the outer, right? So it, we do this with feng shui, right? We look at the house. Yeah. And you might not, like, if you ask somebody and said, okay, tell me about your relationship or whatever. And then they were like, I don't know. Blah, blah. But then we look at the house and we see, oh, well, this is happening and this is happening. You know, this pattern generally means this. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, those are all ways of divining what is going on. Yes. And that's what we do with feng shui. If you guys didn't <laughs> know that, we can look at a floor plan and divine what's happening and read what's happening, but it's not because we have special skills. Oh, we do have skills actually. Well, we don't, um, magical powers. We're not, we don't have magical <laughs> powers. Everyone has this potential within them. It's just that we yeah. happen to be trained to understand and read based on a wisdom that's been cultivated. For instance, I just had my book signing recently and I did a conversation with Pritam Siri, who is the main yoga teacher there. And she was saying, you know, nobody looks at, she's like, she's like the way that Angie looks at feng shui, it's so interesting. She looked at my floor pan and the first thing she said is, it looks like a hammer. And this, this represents this part and this represents this part. And there's a handle there. And she's like, who looks at a home like that? And, mm -hmm. um, so we we are divining and we look at these symbols for another layer of meaning that's based on a lot of human knowledge, actually, cultural knowledge. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you have to, with both tarot and feng shui, you do have to learn what those symbols and language mean. So yes. that's the skill. There is a skill in that. And I think for me, what attracted me to both practices and this is just kind of my 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 Virgo. I don't know what it is in me. I like things to be in a pattern or a language that is consistent. So it's not made up. It's not. I mean, okay, <laughs> some people would say oh, it is made up, but it, but it's been, but it's been consistent for. I mean, feng shui. It's been consistent for four thousand years, and for tarot, it's you know since since these archetypes and these symbols have been moving through culture through hundreds and hundreds of years. And so they have these meanings that you need to learn so that you can explain something that is otherwise really hard to tap into or explain. Mm -hmm. So you use this word cardomancy. Can you tell mm -hmm. us what that means? And it's, mm -hmm. it's such a fancy term. Tell us it about It is that. a fancy term. It's just a way of saying that you use cards as your divination tool. So people that practice cardomancy, they might not just use tarot. They might also use oracle decks or they might use plain old playing cards, right? So because that's what tarot originated out of playing cards. 
And some people still, and actually in a lot of you know, Italian practices, they still just use straight up playing cards, right? To do their divination. So it is just that. It's using those those specific imagery and symbol that are in cards to, again, to to connect with something that is harder to connect to. This is a this is something that people are probably curious about. Why do you connect feng shui and tarot? And why do you think they go so well together? Yeah, well, part of it is what I sort of what I talked a bit about. They're both practices that, and I mean, maybe it's just the nerd in me. You can really geek out with them. Like you can really learn them. And it's not just about, I'm not an, I'm not, I, I don't think I would describe myself as a super intuitive person, which is going to sound really weird, you know, coming from it, like naturally, like I, I mean, now I'm able to intuit and to divine, but I've been given tools to do that. Right. And so I read and my teacher, my tarot teacher always says, she goes, I'm just reading the cards. I'm just reading the cards. Like I'm not pulling my angels aren't telling me what I'm doing here or anything like that. I'm just reading the cards. For me personally, that appeals to me. And feng shui is the same way. I am just looking at the floor plan. I am just looking at the seasons. I am just looking at, you know, actual frameworks and tools. So I like that because both practices have those frameworks and those structured methods that appeal to me. And so having said that, they they actually work really well together and they have some overlap. So both use elemental symbolic language. So for instance, feng shui uses the Taoist five element system, right? So wood, fire, earth, metal, water. And the tarot comes out of the four elements. So water, fire, air, and earth. And they're not exactly the same, but when you bring in the suits of tarot and those elements, those underlying elements, there are a lot of overlap. And especially the way that when you, when I was learning tarot, I found that there were so many connections to the way we interpret the five elements, right? I mean, it's not exact. It's not, you know, obviously there's differences, but, you know, for instance, the cups, the suit of cups is water and the way you would describe it, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of intuition. Like, I mean, these are things that we talk a lot about in, in water when we're talking about that depth of knowledge, that tapping into that intuitive side. And then wands is fire. But the way it is described in tarot makes me think of both wood and fire because it's really active. It's really creative. It's really go-getter. It's like that, you know, that it's the wands. Like, it's like, I don't know. They're always like, like go move this and that. It's very active. And same with fire. And then swords is air, which we don't have in the in the Asian system. Metal is the closest, you know, the it aligns. And it's also a sword, right? Which is metal. And often when we describe a yang version of metal, we talk about swords, right? You know, when we're talking about that cutting, a very cutting, very, very strong and, and swords and air in the tarot are mental clarity, you know, communication, logic, which is very similar to the way we think about metal in the feng shui and feng shui and in the five element system. And then the pentacles and coins or coins is earth and earth again, a little different in tarot because earth has a lot to do with material, with the physical in tarot, like the the material, the 
uh, money, all those kinds of things that you can hold. And in feng shui, it's different. There's not that material connection because it's, again, because the systems are slightly different. But again, there's that kind of grounded practicality. That's that's similar. So there's so there's similarities. I would never say that they're exactly the same, but there are some inherent similarities just in the fact of, you know, we are both practices or energy practices. They both are connecting with the energy of the situation. So can you share with us how you use these two practices together, the tarot mm-hmm. and the feng shui? Because I know when we first met, we you weren't bringing it together. And this is something mm-hmm. that is like alchemized over the years mm-hmm. that we've known each other. You've invited in your cultural heritage. You always love feng shui and you had that in place. And then you decided to delve further into your own Italian background and really mm-hmm. dove into to feng shui. And now you're, you're starting to weave them together. Yeah. And, you know, Feng Shui was really my path to discovering, you know, my cultural divination practice, which is really amazing. And I'm so happy that I did it because I can do both now together and they 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 really do weave well together. Again, they both take study, which I, again, I love and I geek out on that. So when I'm like, I'm working with a client, I definitely use both. I used to use the I Ching more. Honestly, I was doing that. And and I do, I really like the I Ching, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't, it didn't click the way tarot clicked for me. I'm very visual. And well, you're, I, you're I'm, also an artist too. Yeah. I'm very visual. I'm an artist. And so just tarot and the and the and I use the Coleman, the Wait Smith deck, Pamela Coleman Smith deck. And that is the one I use. And I just I love her artistry. I just I love it so much. I love everything about it. So I will do the same way I was preparing in the past where I would have maybe used the I Ching to ask a specific question. I will ask the client if they have a specific question to let me to, you know, to ask it. And if not, you know, I've by by looking at their floor plan and everything else, you know, inherently I'm I've been given, you know, permission to sort of delve deeper. But what I will do is what do I need to know if they haven't asked question, what do I need to know going into this consultation? What should I or what are the questions or what is going on for this particular person in this? Or what should I be aware of that I'm not seeing? And you know, what's really interesting is again, this is tapping into the energy of a situation. So I'm not fortune telling here. I've read through their intake form. I've looked at their floor plan. I've probably talked to them a little bit. And so, you know, this is me preparing for the consultation beforehand. And I'll ask this question and it's kind of like dowsing in a way, right? Where you're tapping into something that you, again, that's what intuition is. Often we already know it, but we don't know that we know it, right? And so this is a way for me to, to, uh, dig and so that I can get out of my own way and I can figure out what am I not seeing here? What do I need to ask about? And then I do that. And then we have a, we have a consultation and I generally walk them through the reading and they love it. Honestly, I don't, I, I often, I don't even tell them. I tell them like, Oh, by the way, I read tarot and I have, I did a tarot. They're like, Oh my God, they're so excited. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's so important for the listeners to know that Laura and I think it's so important to bring feng shui up to date. And that's really our path in life to, to bring feng shui up to date. So it's relevant for people. And we live in a very diverse world with a lot of information and cultures, and we want to honor everyone's own cultural heritage. So feng shui can provide the skills and foundation. And then 
we invite our students, our graduates to take the leap to see what resonates with them personally. Once they start learning all the feng shui principles, you're not confined to them. And if you want to use I Ching or if you want to use dowsing, like there's so many tools in our toolbox, our feng shui toolbox, and then it can always change too. So, you know, when first Laura used the I Ching, then later she's mm. using tarot and maybe that will change in another decade. And we always want to encourage people to respect feng shui from, from a lineage standpoint, but also honor your own cultural lineage as well. So here's my impromptu questions, Laura. Oh. Oh. One is, have you had any like aha moments with tarot or that you would like to share with, with the tarot sorry, mm -hmm. that you want to share with us? Yeah, I have. I've had some pretty big readings. Um, and it's so funny, you know, it's like, I don't like, again, I don't like believe in this, like, you know, fate. So, so tarot, when you read the tarot or feng shui, anything you're, it is giving you information that you need to become aware of. It is not telling you what is written in stone. It is not telling you what the future will lay out. And I think that we have free will. This is the biggest thing for all of the things that we take. You have your own wisdom and your own discernment and you have free will, but you will do the reading and you will told, okay, this is what's coming up. You know, something is happening in this particular reading. I was, it was the tower card that came up, which is, you know, a lot of people believe that it is the worst card in the deck. Again, I don't like to say there's worse cards, but it's not a great one. And I was like, that's, you know, in this particular situation that the tarot, that the tarot, tower fell into, it would have been something that was coming. And generally the tower has to do with hubris and a denial that you are like, ah, I don't need to do this. And then, you know, beep, it hits the fan, right? And you didn't, you didn't deal with something you had to deal with. And so I asked this question and I was like in denial. I was like, no, it's fine. There's nothing. This is, I'm like, oh, whatever this is. And it was actually my teacher that was doing the reading for me. And lo and behold, I can't even tell you. And it's about a, often the, the, the tower card is about restructuring or things like falling apart, being crumbled away. And then, you know, you have to go forward from that, but things are falling away. And in something literally, something again, literally Angie happened like that. And something pretty big happened where the way things were trucking along, I was blind and I was ignoring it. And then it, it, it fell apart, but the card that came sort of the, coming forward was a transition into something better, which also happened. So it was really that for me, I was like, okay, wow, that was very cool. So you were told that something, yeah. the tower. I, don't say, I won't, I won't say what it is, but yeah, something. Yeah. Does it have to do with me? No, no, it okay, doesn't good. have to do with you. Yeah. Don't Cause worry. nothing's fallen apart with us. No, we, no, 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 it wasn't. It had nothing to do with work or anything like that. It was something okay. really specific. Yeah. So, so the tower card showed you something and, and it also showed it, it, it highlighted how much you were in denial about it. And then when it happened, you realized, wow, that card really is about denial. And it really is. Yeah, about, from it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then you learned a lot about that card too. I did. I did. And it's, that's, that's really, I mean, Angie, you and I tell our students do these things, practice these things, because when you have your own experiences or client experiences or whatever's going on, it's so much easier to talk about them, right? Cause mm -hmm. you've embodied them. So, yeah. Yeah. So my last question is, is there a card that, or a symbol from the tarot that you're feeling very connected to right now that you can share with us? Mm -hmm. and we have something to learn from it. 
Yeah. And I was going through and and I was doing a reading the other day and just playing around with the cards. My son is obsessed with playing with the cards. He's 17. He thinks he knows how to read cards, by the way, because he listens to me and he's the most hilarious tarot card reader. Anyway, we were talking about a card, a particular card came up and I started talking about it and it was the hermit, which is number nine. And the hermit is really resonating with me. And I've been like kind of exploring more about it and reading more about it. And I came across a particular, um, a interpretation of what weight. So when weight did some of the, he wrote the key to tarot, he, he mentioned something about the hermit. So the hermit is often seen as he's kind of going off and, and being able to, to meditate on something and, and, and think on it in your own time and sort of, you know, take yourself out of something. It's got a lot of wisdom attached to it and all these things, but there was one thing that I read that uh, really connected. And Angie, I think you'll like this too, as the hermit is about learning something or wisdom, but it is about, and Waite says, the simple truth is that the divine mysteries secure their own protection from those who are unprepared. So you're, you're never going to learn something you're not ready to learn, and you're never going to tap into an intuition or do some kind of reading or, you know, do something that you're, you're, you're not going to be prepared for because you're always going to go to where you need to go. And that's what the hermit is about, which I just thought was really cool. Like where I am, you also may be. So it's sort of like that wisdom that he embodies, that lantern that he shows, it's within all of us. Mm -hmm. right? We don't have to think that we're, we're, oh, if I only knew more and if I were only more intuitive, I'd be better at this, but it's not, it's like, that's why I like about it. Interesting. So wherever yeah. you go, I'm following you, Laura. <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding on a different level, but um, no, that's a really great card to end with. Yeah. That's one thing. Anyway. Well, thank you, Laura, for sharing the tarot with us and your insights and your expertise on it and we hope that this will be helpful for those of you that are listening and thank you so much listeners for following our podcast and listening to this episode you can tune in every week for a new podcast episode and if you like our podcast and this episode please share it subscribe on your podcast app if it's available you can also leave a review those those things really help you can also support the podcast by checking out any of our offerings. We have a certification program online and we offer mini courses. You can go to mindfuldesignschool.com. You can also sign up for our mailing list by visiting mindfuldesignschool.com and you scroll to the bottom. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week.